This is the Team Sidelined Podcast, a podcast launched to support the mental game of student-athletes during these extraordinary times of COVID-19's impact on life and sport. Brought to you by Sidelined USA. We invite athletes, performance coaches, and resource experts to discuss coping skills, strategies, and mindset work, which have proven to help sidelined athletes face their adversity, build resilience, and forge forward even stronger. And now, here's our host, Executive Director of Sidelined USA, Christine Pinalto. We wanted to follow up Episode 3, An Athlete Huddle on Depression and Anxiety, with speaking with a professional to answer some lingering questions for us. So today we have with us Bettina Frankel, who's a sports psychiatrist for Northwestern University. She's got decades of experience working with student athletes, working with mental health, and is able to shed some light on some of those questions that we have remaining. It's gonna be a great episode. Thanks so much for tuning in. Whether you have mental health struggles or you're concerned about a friend, or you just wanna educate yourself about understanding what help looks like for someone who's experiencing depression and anxiety and suicidal thoughts, it's gonna be a great listen. Thank you so much for joining us today. Let's go ahead and get started. And now, game four, depression, seeking help, or concerned for a friend. Neither Sideline USA nor its affiliates provide clinical or medical care of any kind via their relationship with Sideline. At no time should a user have an expectation of clinical care or professional services offered or rendered. Bettina, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate your being willing to give us your insights on depression and anxiety. Thank you for inviting me. I'm really happy to be here. Great. Let's go ahead and get started with our first question, which is how does an athlete discern if the depression that they're feeling warrants professional help? I mean, truly, I think all of us are experiencing some levels of depression because of the pandemic, because of life being not as we would desire it to be. But where does that, where's that tipping point? How can an athlete discern when that, you know, it's time to seek professional help? Whether depression needs more attention than just talking to a friend, let's say. So whether it's the blues or whether it's depression depends on two things. Duration and severity of what one is experiencing. So severity of symptoms. Depression, the definition is if it lasts two weeks or longer. Now that's not written in stone because some of that has to do with how you experience it yourself and even if it's shorter or if it's over a longer period of time but not always but maybe most days we would still consider that probably something where you should get some help you know having the blues some of the same symptoms right you feel down you might not be able to concentrate as well it might not be quite as much fun to hang out with your friends let's say or do something that you like doing but usually people get out of the blues so yeah there's an adverse event let's say you lost the championship game or something like that and you're not gonna feel great but after a few days you'll probably return to what you would consider normal maybe not deliriously happy but normal but when your depressed feelings start lingering when your mood is either indifferent kind of numb blah or when your mood is really sad and that sadness has this kind of heavy quality to it. That's one sign. Other signs are low energy, feeling like everything is a real effort. 
everything you do is like walking against a stream or walking through jello. If you have trouble sleeping, either falling asleep or often sleeping through or waking up way before your alarm, that's a real warning sign. If your appetite has gone down and you just can't eat as much as you usually would and not enough to fuel your physical activity, which is often an issue for athletes, even if they are retired, because as people who move a lot, that's the way they cope. And then uh, sometimes appetite goes up. So if one finds oneself eating huge amounts of chips, chocolate, you know, whatever the, the, the comfort food of choice is, it's usually not the salad and the, um, you mm -hmm. know, that's usually not what we crave when we are depressed. So any change in appetite up or down, changing concentration. So not being able to concentrate either because the thoughts are all scattered all over or because it's so hard to collect one thought. It's so hard to just get them together and think in a way. Again, this feeling of struggling uphill. It's like wading through jello. It's just, it's really hard to do. Um, sometimes people feel so down and feel so um, different that they become hopeless, that they start feeling really guilty about things. Sex drive often goes down. And the joy of hanging down, hanging out with friends or the pleasure we get from things that we love doing. So, you know, you are an avid Bears fan. I'm in Chicago here, so that's what I'm going to say. And the Bears did the impossible and won, which Chicago has been waiting for forever and they are not doing. That And, and you kind of go like, uh-huh, they won. Instead of being, yeah, they won. That's a sign that something's not quite right. But if your sleep is affected, if your appetite is affected, if it lasts really long, it feels really heavy, you start feeling guilty, you start feeling hopeless. And of course, the biggest red flag, you kind of don't see any more meaning in continuing on living. You might even think about committing suicide. Those are big red flags. That's when you need to get help. Sure. No, that's really, really helpful. I'm curious as a follow-up to that, if there's any online screenings that you recommend, is there anything that athletes could access that could help them just kind of get a little gauge from um, a trusted resource? Yeah, so um, I'm going to give you the address of that, the web address. Um, it's We have a screen on our, I work for the Northwestern University, so I'm part of the counseling center and I see the athletes there. And so we have an online anonymous screening tool that we just link to. It's called helpyourselfhelpothers.org. And I'm going to give that to you. And what that is, it's a screening for all kinds of different mental health issues. And then if you have, you know, answer a few yeses here or there, then they get you to more specific screenings that will then, and then come up with some recommendations whether you should seek help or not. Now, in an emergency, if you feel suicidal or one of your friends feels suicidal, that's not the way to go. In an emergency, either call 911 or at least a suicide hotline or reach out to someone who you can talk to. And given that this is, you know, virtual communication time, if one of your friends expresses those kinds of thoughts or feelings online on social media or, you know, in a Zoom kind of call, that's not a time to wait. That's a time to follow up with a phone call. That's a time to follow up with some direct questions or to contact someone who's near that person to get the help that they need immediately because that's an emergency. Right. Thank you for sharing that. And that kind of leads right into my next question, which is 
if you if there is someone who's concerned about a friend they're not like sure let's say if but they just feel like that friend of theirs like you mentioned earlier maybe isn't getting the same enjoyment out of things that they normally would have or they're just not they're just feeling a disconnect with this person and feeling another friend and feeling like they're concerned that there may be something more deep going on what is that friend what do you say to that friend how do you impose yourself so to speak as a friend who's who's caring and and you know doesn't know what's going on but certainly doesn't want to just um find out later that they were struggling and they never said something so any, any recommendations or advice for that person that would reach out to a friend yeah i think the thing to remember is that most people feel really relieved when someone allows them to talk about their mental struggles because what i hear most and what i think is for a lot of people the reason why they don't talk is they don't want to burden others. So a friend saying, here I am, I'm willing to talk to you, tell me, that's often a huge help for someone. And then I think really good advice. you want to put yourself into the shoes of that person. So what would you want someone to say who comes to you, you know, concerned about you if you were in that friend's situation? So what usually doesn't work is you have not been doing this and you are not looking like, and you, because that, what does that do? It makes us defensive. It makes us really defensive. We go like, no, that's not me. What works better is just describing what you're seeing. So something like, you know, we've been roommates for a long time, or we've been friends for a long time. And I noticed recently that you are not joining us when we do board games, Zoom calls, Netflix, watch parties, whatever it is that you do. Or you usually are a really outgoing person that smiles a lot. I haven't seen you smile. Or you always hand in your work in time, let's say for a student, I work for college. And I noticed that you are struggling to do so and the last time we had this group project, you were completely unprepared. That's not you. I noticed that you're sleeping much more or that you're looking much more tired. So describing what you see in fairly neutral terms and then saying, I'm concerned. So not saying you have a problem, but rather, I'm your friend. I'm concerned for you. I want to, he- want to he- know what's going on. And then when, then the key thing is not to rush in with the res- rescue, listen. So I often tell people, bite your tongue, don't talk, listen. And active listening means not just sitting there with an expressionless face, but allowing yourself to react and also allowing yourself to repeat things to make sure you understand them and to ask open-ended questions. So an open-ended question is a question that cannot be answered with a yes or no. When I say to you, do you feel suicidal, which is something that you might want to ask down the line if the person is really depressed, that's a yes or a no usually, right? Do you feel like taking your life? But the other stuff is more like, open-ended questions are more like, that sounds really hard. How has that affected your studies? Or this just listening to this makes me think how this might have affected your relationship with your girlfriend or boyfriend or friends or family or something like that. Your observation might also be something that you know. Your grandma, with whom you were very close, just died. 
So I wonder how you're, how you're doing with that, right? You, so you, there's stuff that you can ask that makes it a little easier to have the intro and then listen. And when the per conversation goes on, initially it's going to be very hard because listening to someone who's de very depressed or very anxious or very anything is really hard because it makes us depressed and anxious. We f if we are really open, we feel the same feelings and that's really tough. However, if you can sit with this, you will notice in general, vast majority of cases that the person will feel a sense of relief that they can talk to you. Mm -hmm. And then the next step really is for you to say, I'm really concerned about you. I want you to feel better. I want you to get help. So again, make those I statements that are easier to take for the person then rather than you need to get help because you are in so much trouble and you are so depressed. That will make the person defensive. It would make any man defensive because it comes across as judgmental, even though you don't, might not mean it that way. And then when you say, I'm concerned and I would like you to get help, then you can say, can I help you connect to someone? So can we call the school counselor together? Can I go with you to the school social worker for like high school students? And, and that's a good way because you don't, and what you, you don't want to, the one thing you don't want to do is com promise confidentiality at all costs. So if someone says, do not talk to someone, anyone about this, you can say, I am not going to gossip about this. I'm not going to share this information frivolously, but I will have to share it with people if I feel like you are unsafe and need help. Because you don't want to get stuck with someone who's, you know, if your friend is really, really depressed and tells you, yeah, I have been thinking of taking my life. You don't want to get stuck holding that information and not have any way of dealing with it. That's not your job. Your job is to be a friend. Your job is not to be a mental health professional. So you want to be able to reach out to people and figure out how to get this person help. So that's kind of how I would say that. That is incredible advice. A lot of really good examples of verbiage that you can use. So thank you for all those. One that I heard of um, that's shared a lot is um, how are you doing with everything? Like the real answer and just keeping a very open-ended, you know, um, you know, answer to that, just letting them have the floor, but letting them know that you really truly want the real answer, not the pat answer that we all give. There's having that authenticity to, to be a, a safe place and showing that athlete, showing that friend, whoever that might be, um, that you are a safe place to hear the real and true answer. And you know, with everything and you get the pet answer and then you can say, no, really, how are you doing with everything, right? Be a little persistence. If you're really concerned about someone, show some persistence because that's what it might need for them to really realize that you are there to listen to stuff, even if it's difficult. Absolutely. And especially considering how many student athletes we talk to who have experienced depression and anxiety, um, most of them would say they have lied about how they're really doing because they're just, they don't know if it's a safe place. So like, they don't want to be a whiner or a complainer or be labeled as someone who can't, doesn't have it together. So keep asking if you're truly concerned and that person gives you the pat answer and, and even the pat answer after the second press back off at that time, but revisit it a couple weeks later or whenever it makes sense to do so. Because I can tell you this, student athletes um, often don't give themselves permission to vocalize it. So I'll just add that. So let's, let's do a kind of, what would you say to section of this interview? I've got three of these for you. So what would you say to an athlete who's unsure who to reach out to for help. Like maybe they're wondering like, who would I even tell 
how do I how do I know to, who to, where to get help? So that really depends, right, on the situation. If you have an incredibly tough coach who borders on abusive, which can happen, right? Or that's not a good person to go to. But if your coach is really, really supportive and you trust him or her and you want it, that might be a good resource for you. If you have a difficult family situation, maybe your parent is not the greatest person to go to. But maybe the parent, trusted parent of a friend might be the person to go to. Or your own parent, if your parents are very supportive. If you're in high school, you know, high schools usually have school counseling departments. Those are social workers or psychologists who see high school students all the time, who are familiar with this, who often have an open door policy and you can just basically drop by. In college, I think the college counseling center is a good place. College student athletes often have athletic trainers that they have a relationship with or head team physicians or just team physicians that they have a relationship with. Those are great resources. As for actually a high school athlete, a pediatrician might be the person to call, go to. So you might just say, you know, I have a stomach ache or something. I need to see the doctor. And then you can talk confidentially to the doctor about what's going on. The college um Clergy sometimes is a good place. So if people are part of a, any kind of really religious community, faith community, clergy are often trained at least to initially help people um, air their problems and get them connected. Some have more training. That's often a good place to go. Community mental health centers are there. So that's another good place to go to. Most neighborhoods have something like that. Now, when if you live on the countryside, that might be a little tougher because there's often not as much mental health care, but you can probably, if it's really urgent, you can call hotlines. Also, there is telemental health now. That's one of the good things of COVID. Not everything is bad about this pandemic. We've learned much more to use technology to connect with people. And for mental health, that hasn't meant telemental health, which is often easier to get to underserved areas. So those would be some places to go to. Now, I want to stress here, it's not the most important thing to find the right person. The most important thing is to tell someone. And if all you can think of is tell a friend or the school dietitian or, you know, the school nurse might be a good place. If, you know, tell someone. I think struggling alone is the hardest thing. Even if it's a friend, that person can be your ally in finding more professional help. So not struggling alone, I think, is very important. And I think in sports... Yeah, the culture of sports is um, really um, stoic. I think what makes a good athlete is often um, being able to push through pain, ignoring your body screaming, I can't do it anymore, and continuing that conditioning until you throw up for a lot of you know, sports. Being able to put all of your personal stuff aside and be in the zone. And in this situation, that doesn't work. You need to listen to yourself. You need to have self-care. And I just listened to an interview, some kind of Twitter post with two Northwestern football players who both said getting help is a sign of strength. And that is really 
that stuck with me. I was very grateful that they said that so publicly. They both said, talked about themselves having gotten help because I think that's a good example for others. If a you know varsity division one college athlete, football player, the sport where you have to push through a lot of pain can say this is worth it, then that's really, and it can help. Then that's really something that should speak to everyone. It goes counter to a lot of things that we um, value in sports which is, you know, projecting an image of strength and suffering kind of stoically. But you would think about this differently if it was a physical illness, right? You would not really question that that sprained ankle or broken foot or whatever it is needs medical care and physical therapy and rehab. The same is true for um, for mental health. So let's do the what would you say number two, which would be this. I've heard this before, but what would you say to an athlete who is hesitant to reach out for help because they're kind of afraid of getting put on medication? Maybe in their minds, they're thinking, I don't want to be put on medication. I'm forced to be put on medication. Or maybe they're thinking medication might impact my performance and they're nervous about that. So that's what I do all day long. I put people on medication, not all day long, but I see the athletes usually that need medication. I see some people for therapy, but a lot for medication. So here are a few things. No one's going to force you to take a medication. So what usually, the way it usually starts out when you seek help is someone talks to you and does a general evaluation. And then you come up with a treatment plan. That treatment plan might be a suggestion to see a psychiatrist or to start medication. Then you get a chance to talk to that doctor who evaluates you about what are the side effects? How is that affecting my performance? Can we time this for my season? So I, you know, like any other sports psychiatrist, but like any other really physician who deals with athletes, I have to make sure that I don't do things at a time when the athlete needs their peak performance, right? We can't start a medication that might have side effects. Medications can have side effects. You should be informed of those. You can inform yourself. I would not go online and just Google the medication and that's it. What I would do is maybe if you're curious about something that someone suggests to you and you want to research it some more, I would go to the National Institute of Mental Health, NIMH.gov. They have a great website that is really informative for patients. Or the Mayo Clinic also has a really good website with a lot of information. Those would be two places where I would do some research. But I think the thing to remember is no one's forcing you and any kind of starting medication should be a collaboration, meaning you get input here into the discussion and how to do things. And if that's not the case, then you might want to talk to your doctor about that and say, you know what, I, I need some input. Now, if you are not 18 years yet, or 18 years of age yet, your parents might get to say something about that. And that is something that you need to talk to the doctor about if you don't want that. Because that might just not be something that works for you to discuss this with your parents or have the doctor discuss it with your parents. And that is something that you need to talk to the doctor about. And depending on your age, I don't want to go into details here, that might or might not be possible. So that's something to, to discuss. But no one will start out just saying off the bat, you need medication. Medication always is part of a plan. And I would think it's always based that recommendation on a thorough evaluation. 
different. We'll definitely add those links into our resource, our follow-up resource to make sure that um, listeners can have those. Thank you for those uh, trusted resources. All right. So the final question is this, what would you say to an athlete who is struggling with the internal pressure to handle things on their own um, outside, you know, and, and resist getting help? I think getting help is strength. And I think um, two football players got that pretty, um, pretty right. But we really know that in order to perform at your best, your mental and physical conditioning needs to be really good. I would think about this kind of as if I was trying to learn a special skill. Let's say I am a baseball pitcher and I'm trying to learn how to throw a faster fastball or a better curveball or something like that. I will have a pitching coach, an expert, help me improve that. The same if I am injured and I have really bad hip pain, I will have my team physician, maybe an orthopedic surgeon and ultimately a physical therapist or an athletic trainer help me with getting that under control. The same is true for this. If you get help, you are going to be a better athlete, a better friend, a better teammate, a better anything, because you took care of yourself. Taking care of yourself is not selfish. It's actually a service to others. That's a great answer, thinking about it and reframing it in terms of you can be your better self when you get the help that you need and that support that you need. It's not going to diminish you. It's going to build you up. Thank you so much for all of your wisdom today. Um, We covered a lot of uh, tips, a lot of insights from someone who, yes, you have, you deal with this day in and day out and you have some really good just input to live by. And um, thank you for sharing your experience with us today. And uh, if you're an athlete out there and you're listening, it'll be soon that we have those resources posted for you. And uh, just thank you for listening and kudos to you for building your mental health today and learning more. It's, it's all about continuing to learn in life and, you know, linking elbows with each other and, and doing the best we can to get through this really, really, really challenging time. So thank you for having me. I enjoyed it very much.